The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting great 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm happy to be joined this week by Scout. Scout, hello. How are you? She gave a big, good yawn before this, but she is good. I hope people watch this on YouTube because you're in like a tropical location. A guy in shorts just, you just was like taking a like little stroll behind you. Scout's here, just very interested in what's going on. Yeah, I guess I should explain. So for the people that are not watching on YouTube, um, I'm joined this week by Aaron Sorensen, Hill Varsity's <laughs> deputy editor and Aaron's dog scout who uh, apparently is part of this podcast i told you when you jumped on i was like you know having an appearance by your dog is just sort of a prerequisite for having you on the show um but it, it looks like it's not just going to be an appearance it looks like it's going to be like <laughs> a third guest is just scout is going to be on this with us it's great yeah i'm i'm in hawaii right now uh my uh my wife and i are redoing our honeymoon from 2020 that got wrecked by covid um so we're going to keep this to uh, to 12 minutes, short and sweet. I'm just here so I don't get fined. And uh, and then we're going to – I'm, I'm going to go jump in the pool behind me. Uh, As you should. <laughs> it's funny because – so the – we we flew out here on Monday. And so I just sort of unplugged on Monday. For folks in college football media, Monday was like D-Day. I don't know if that's – if that's uh, distasteful to say, but like, I think the, the number was close to 800. Um, no, it was more. Jumped. I think the number I think I saw ended up in like the, I want to say it was like almost close to like 1500 went into the, by the end of the day. Like I swear on I Monday. saw on Monday. Yeah. I swear I saw a number that like by the end of the day, Oh, are you done? Okay. Scout's like, I'm good. I don't want to talk about the transfer portal. She's tired of it. Um, but I saw She's a number. Like a coach. I, yeah. I, I swear I saw a tweet that said it got into the thousand range, like over a thousand. And regardless if it's 800, 1200, it doesn't matter. That's just a lot of people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so you, yeah, you so were, like, you were not is... missing out at all. <laughs> well, so I just, I just think the juxtaposition of me sort of unplugging and being like, I'm ready to go relax and, uh, and unwind uh, in a pool by a beach. Um, look at some palm trees while basically like, Everybody who's anybody in college football jumped into the transfer portal and the entire college football media was like, what is happening? 
And then I was sort of reading around. Um, this was to be expected in a way, right? Because like the transfer portal has been booming the sort of unregulated transfer portal alongside there are going to be chickens that are going to make an appearance on this. I'm just going to let you know right now, roosters and hens, there's five of them around me right now. So you're going to hear one, just, you're going to hear one that during the course of this podcast, um, there were, you know, with both, and I want to talk to you about this with both sort of being unregulated, so to speak, NIL and transfer portal situations exploding at the same time, like, players are jumping into the transfer portal regardless of what they've done at their current school. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the surprises that jumped into the transfer portal or, or anybody that you thought was a surprise. Um, there's a guy in Pac-12 country who plays at Arizona who led the Pac-12 in receiving yards and just went into the transfer portal. So like, there's no rhyme or reason to why just on a surface level, players are jumping into the transfer portal. It's you know, for a billion reasons across the board. Um, yeah before these windows were instituted it was you know at any time so we weren't getting this massive flood of players in at one single time and then they implemented this window which opened on december 5th will last for 45 days it'll be one of two windows that opens um, throughout the next calendar year in college football there's going to be a 15-day one that opens i believe after spring finishes up i'm not sure of the date on that um but like i was so i was reading um, some pieces by The Athletic where they talked to college football coaches, recruiting department staffers. I'm sure you probably had conversations with Nebraska recruiting staffers um, about just like how hectic they were expecting this day to be. And it turned out to be just as, as hectic and chaotic and crazy as, as everybody thought it would be. And I think I saw the number was close to 40 scholarship FBS quarterbacks jumped in the transfer portal. We've got starters yep. from all over the place. We've got JT Daniels going portaling for a fourth time in his career. This transcript is going to look incredible, by the way. Shout out to the compliance department that has to figure that nightmare out. Um, I just think of like they're the not even the compliance department, but like I don't think people even realize just with these admissions departments and like making sure that like you're taking that your credits are transferring correctly so that you can keep working towards either a degree or a master's degree, whatever. Um, like there's a lot of pieces if you're going to move around that much, it's, it's not like a one for one in a lot of like schools. Cause some schools do have certain programs. Some schools don't. Um, so you might be a major at this one school and then you, you transfer and it's not like, I think of Trey Neal when he left, um, when he left central Florida, the exact major that he had at central Florida wasn't exact at Nebraska. Now he was very intentional. He wanted somewhere that had a dentistry college. Like he knew what he wanted. So like it was able for him to kind of like focus that, but like, that's a piece of it. It's like this, the thing that you're doing may not exist at the next school that you're looking at. <laughs> so Godspeed to those admissions office offices trying to figure that out too. I can say with some degree of confidence that JT Daniels is not looking for a specific business college at his next school. I think he's, uh, which is I, interesting. I did, think you're did right. He play, did he play for West Virginia this past year or did he lose the job? I don't even pay attention to West Virginia. I don't pay attention to West Virginia either. So I, I okay. occasionally so. remember that West Virginia is in the big 12. It surprises me. And then I forget about them again until like next year when I'll remember that fact once again. So maybe that's why he's transferring. Um, let's take a, let's take a top down approach to this is all of this movement from not just, you know, end of the bench players, bottom of the rotation players, 
but from stars that you're hoping to be able to build around moving forward. You know, in the case of like Arizona, um, is all of this movement good for the sport? Because you and I have both had conversations and we have both said like, yeah, we're, we're definitely, you know, player first, make your moves, go where you want to go, be where you want to be, mm-hmm. be around the people that you want to be around. Um, but, you know, there's always that point with anything where it becomes too much of a good thing. Is this good for the sport? Yes or no? Um, I would say yes and no, which is such a complicated answer. I, I always get really, and I can't remember who shared this. I was reading somebody's tweet um, the other day that said something basically along the lines of like, it's okay to like be in support of NIL and the transfer portal and to also feel conflicted about some of the ways that it's shaping up to be. And um, I think, I, I think it's not great for the sport in the sense that um, it's going to put a lot of, a lot of athletes aren't going to find homes. That's, that's the big thing for me. I think a lot about the athlete at the end of the day and not even so much about the programs because the programs themselves will find a way to continue. They'll, they'll find the, they'll find the next talent in the, the portal or whatever. But for a lot of these, like when you have that many, that many people going into the portal looking for new homes, they're not all going to find landing spots. And that's, I think the most um, problematic thing about this. And so you know, you can say, make sure that you're a hundred percent certain before you go into the portal, but that's the piece of the portal. That's great. Is for a lot of these athletes who maybe aren't happy where they're at. Maybe there's a number of reasons that they would want to move on to something else. And there's no fault in my opinion to wanting to find another opportunity. Um, but you gotta be sure because there's a lot of players who went into the portal on Monday that are not going to find places to go. And that is, that is not good for the sport because a whole lot of talented players um, aren't going to find, aren't going to find landing spots. And that's a bummer, especially when we think about potential talent that's not going to be on a roster. And yeah, I mean, there are people who could sit there and go, but Aaron, you're not talking about the, the teams and what it means for the programs and building, st- you know, creating stability and building, um, you know, rapport and all those things. And like, honestly, I'm not so worried about that because other other sports, have fig- the NFL figures it out every year, like figuring out a new roster, figuring out new faces. I'm not super concerned about that. I think maybe that's because like that piece of it is, I don't know. The, the, the train has moved on <laughs> enough where it's well, like, from, yeah. From a, from a roster building standpoint, there was so many questions coming into the season about like a team like USC. And everybody kept using the phrase like hired guns, um, like, a, like a stitched together team, guys that would essentially like if, if push comes to shove, are these guys going to be about themselves and getting their numbers? Or are they going to be about the team? And USC won 11 football games. Like USC played for a conference title. Um, and they were – you know, a quarterback getting hurt away from potentially going to the college football playoff. I mean, who knows what happens if, if Caleb Williams is healthy for that game. So there's like, yeah. there's, there's that one example right there. And as this season was unfolding for USC, I think you saw more and more people saying like, well, they're showing this is going to be the new way of doing things in college football. And one very important 
um, sort of like table setter in college football might be following suit this offseason. I'll be curious to see what happens. Alabama had 19 players jump into the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So Alabama, you know, does Nick Saban feel like he has been passed up by Kirby Smart? Does Nick Saban feel like Georgia has passed Alabama? Is Nick Saban worried about Tennessee or LSU? I mean, maybe not because he's Nick Saban. But with 19 players jumping into the transfer portal, he's going to have an opportunity here to say, we want to reload with your best guys. Instead of taking, you know, five-star high schoolers, we're just going to take your best guys. Yeah, And that's if probably they start the- to do that, yeah. If they start to do that, then everyone's going to do that. And well, then that it, turns it this into a really interesting. Yeah, and that turns this into a really interesting situation where, you know, and I, and I want to talk to you specifically about quarterbacks on this. If the top teams start saying, we, we can take a transfer player versus a high school player, and we know what that transfer player is at the college level, so we don't have to wait on them to develop, we're going to take that transfer player. And if the top schools start doing that, more and more that completely changes how we do high school recruiting yeah it's definitely I think and I wasn't even thinking about that when I was talking I was definitely just thinking of in the moment of the individual athlete who's transferring but it does have these ripple effects that are going to have a long-term effect in other areas so like when we think about recruiting and um in fact I I've been teaching a class this fall at the university, a a sports writing class, and um, have had guest speakers throughout the fall. And one of the guest speakers I had uh, just a couple of weeks ago was Mike Schaefer of 24-7 Sports. And we were talking a little bit about just the, what this is going to mean for high school recruiting. And that was a question one of my students asked is like, what is, what is this going to mean? Are high schoolers even going to get recruited? And he was kind of saying, you know, it's going to change your your five stars because there's not that many of them and i i did not know this that typically there's 32 or as close to 32 five stars as possible because it mirrors the nfl did not know that learn something new all the time um but he was saying like you know your five stars are going to find their landing spots and you know a lot of four stars you know some of the four stars might too but suddenly now your three stars are becoming less and less they're they're probably not going to get looks because a school is going to go why am I looking here if you know I have the opportunity to grab this person out of the transfer portal who I have you know I know what they're capable of I know what they can do um that it's it's the ripple effect that's going to have a greater effect in other areas so like I'm all for players transferring if they they want to find a better opportunity for themselves whether that's playing time you know, sometimes schools just aren't the right fit or a coach is fired or moves on and they're like, this isn't where I want to be. I'm all for it. I think you got to do what's right for you, but it is going to have unintended consequences in other areas. And if you're a high schooler, I can see why high school coaches and parents are very worried about what it means because it's going to become harder for a lot of these high school players to get, you know, to get discovered and then when they get discovered to find spots on rosters. Well, cause you think about like, just, let's just think about some of the players that have jumped into the portal from Nebraska's roster. Oh think gosh. about like an Alex Khan who spent three years here, never saw the field. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the defensive linemen. Those are, those are three-star guys. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, those were three-star guys. Yeah. Um, if they were getting recruited now, 
or let's say they were 2020 was this next class 23 let's say they were 24 recruits same kind of i guess pedigree three-star guys would they get on with a power five program or would their best offers be you know like g5 schools and then some of the top fcs programs because I think, yeah i think if they have like connections to a school so if like they're a home you know homegrown like you could see like a three-star offensive lineman in nebraska still getting you know the interest and you know there's that familiarity keeping the, the in-state talent nearby depending on the program i should say nebraska is kind of a unique case with how it treats its in-state talent um or wants to treat its in-state talent although i say that and people would be like depends on who the coach is different topic for a different day but my point is is like yeah maybe like a three-star who is you know an in-state in-state kid has a lot of like film people know what they're kind of know what to expect there. Maybe that's a little bit different, but no, I think a lot of, I, I think if you're right now, like if you're in Nebraska, if you're Matt rule and you're looking at, he obviously he blanketed the state, which is kind of my, my point here. He went and looked at all of the talent across the state because that's what you do. But like right now he's looking at having to rebuild a significant part of this roster. He's not going to do that with high school recruiting. He's not bu- rebuilding his roster for 2023 by signing a bunch of high school recruits. He'll obviously have a 2023 recruiting class, but you're looking at needing to fill spots, especially at wide receiver very quickly on both lines. You can't, you're not developing that person, especially if they're a two-star, three-star level out of high school that quickly. Now, maybe there's a diamond in the rough that you find and you're like, yep, this is the person that we have to grab them, but it does change it because I can almost promise that Matt Rule's focus is going to be on that transfer portal and who can he snag out of there that's going to be an immediate impact player for Nebraska in areas that they're going to be desperate to have bodies right now. A lot of people look at the like the Nebraska especially, but Nebraska's not the only one with all of the changes at schools. Schools are seeing a large number of players leaving. So people are going to be like, how do we how do we <laughs> build our rosters back up and they're going to do that with the transfer portal. So it does, it does mean a lot of these three stars probably wouldn't have gotten looks if this was the case right now. Yeah. And specifically teams will do that at positions like you just referenced on the line where when you're pulling high school kids, particularly on the line of scrimmage, so much of the analysis is just project projecting. Yeah. You're just trying to project. What does this player look like when we add 50 pounds of good weight to him? What does this player look like when he's three years older? What does this player look like when he's fully grown into his body? When mm-hmm. you're taking, you know, a reserve offensive lineman who spent three years in like, let's say Kansas State's program, like there's not as much projection there. You sort of know what that player is going to look like. And you can sort of tell yourself, okay, well, with this kind of training or in this system, he would be much better. And it's so much easier. And I shouldn't say so much easier. It's all, it's all sort of a crapshoot. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's just not as much um, wishy-washy gray area when you're taking transfer players at specific positions. Quarterback is interesting. And I want to pose a hypothetical to you. It's 2017, December of 2017, except all of the, like, transfer situation, NIL stuff applies. Okay. Just rewind however many years that would be, five years? Mm-hmm. Scott Frost is taking over the Nebraska program in uh, in disarray and is looking for sort of the person that he's going to rebuild his program with he has adrian martinez who is a tennessee commit who could who could spend the next four years with him or he has the transfer portal with 40 something 
scholarship quarterbacks that have jumped into the transfer portal. Players like a Spencer Sanders who spent three years, who would be like a one-and-done type deal. Or players, <laughs> players that have multiple years of eligibility left but have experience at the FBS level or the Power 5 level. And you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you what Scott Frost well, would we know do. what Scott Frost would do because he to- he showed us. But yes, I, I think it was any a different coach... it was a different time. But what would Scott what should Scott Frost do in that situation? Should he take the high school kid who's going to require a little bit of of development, or should he take the transfer kid who's not going to give you as many years and might potentially not fit or work, but you at least know more of what you're going to get? I think it depends on what you have in front of that quarterback, like in. This is this is not me like cheating out on this answer. I mean this sincerely. Like it depends on how you're feeling about your offensive line and then the playmakers around that quarterback. Like I think if you have a strong enough team and you're just looking at quarterback, um, you could maybe reasonably say, all right, we can we can work with somebody younger, inexperienced, because they'll have a lot of people around them that make it possible for them to grow in our system in the moment. And then we'll have them for, you know, ideally for five years that that has changed. I think at the time that Scott Frost made the decision he did, I'll be fair on this one. He made it because you are right. It was a very different time. And so he's looking at it at a time frame where like, yeah, you are looking for somebody that you're going to have for four, four or five years. And, and to be fair to him, the Joe Burrow thing was a year later. So he had a year of Adrian Martinez like true. in front of him to be yeah, like, because he, he made the guy, is this guy better than what we got? Yeah. Had it been 2017, I don't know if he makes the same decision. Well, and I think it just kind of, you know, it depends. Hindsight's always, hindsight's always 2020 because you can kind of, you know, you have the perspective now. I could see in the same, if you, if you're in the same situation now, what's really fascinating is let's say we can actually use this as an example. Let's say Casey Thompson decides I'm, I'm going to move on from Nebraska. I'm done. I'm trans, I'm either transferring or whatever. I'm moving on from Nebraska. I'm done here. Um, If he makes that decision, which I think if you're at this point, Matt Rule, you are really hoping he doesn't. You would really like to probably bridge a gap with one year with him just because he helps you get to the next. <laughs> next kind of gives you a little bit of a buffer room. Um, but if he does. He gives you a year to recruit a quarterback that you want to recruit. The right. Yourself. And yeah. he's a quarterback that's going to study the heck out of what you do. And he's very, like, intelligent when it comes to the game. So, like, you feel pretty good about that. If he leaves – I, you know, you have to go to the transfer portal. You have every quarterback on the planet in the transfer portal portal right now at your, like at your fingertips. But like, if you are Matt rule right now, no, you're not looking at high school. You're not, you're not looking at an incoming freshman to be the one at that point, you're looking at who else is on your roster that you could maybe like just elevate and have them play before you do that. But if you're looking for someone right away that you, you want to feel has some familiarity can run an offense, maybe run your offense. You're looking at the portal. That's what you're doing. He's, it's just like, so looking back in 2017, it makes sense the decision that Scott Frost made. But, you know, if, if things had been just a little bit different, if we would have been looking at a 2022, 2023 scenario five years ago, he may have looked at a different option. He may have said, I need to go get somebody with more expertise. But I think in the moment, that was where Scott Frost was thinking, like, I'm kind of walking in and building my team from scratch in the way I need to. That's really kind of changed in five years where people are walking in going like, I don't have time. 
I don't have time to build things anymore. I have to just hit the ground running. And so, yeah, I think he would have been in a different scenario if things had been different five years ago. But yeah, if, if Casey Thompson chooses to leave Nebraska, like Matt rule is going to the transfer portal and the good news, like you said, is there's a million quarterbacks to pick from. (laughs) And see, because of that, like, I don't think that piece of it is going to change because of the nature of the position and, and how many, um, you know, how much quality depth I think there is at quarterback across the FBS. Um, if I was a head coach, which I'm obviously not smart enough to be, and this is probably why, I would build around transfer quarterbacks. I wouldn't take a high school quarterback unless I was a like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama that could sign a Cade Klubnik out of high school or, you know, a five-star top 15 quarterback out of high school. Unless I was one of those schools, I wouldn't take a high school quarterback. I would take a transfer quarterback and I would just have a different quarterback every two years. And now I there think, are people who are going to say, but then how do you develop those high school quarterbacks coming in? But it's what you just said. There are going to be schools that have the ability to take a high school quarterback and develop them and do so well, and even maybe develop them behind their starter. I think one of the, one of the positives to this, if, you know, this sort of like scenario that we're talking about unfolds where, you know, FBS schools, high level FBS schools say we're not taking the three stars. We're not taking the lower ranked kids. Those kids start filtering down to uh, like FCS level. That would make the, the quality of the FCS even better than it already is. And we're seeing, I'm going to keep it a quarterback, specifically a quarterback. We're seeing FCS quarterbacks that do really, really well at that level that then jump up to the next level. Maybe they go to a Western Kentucky and have a really good year at Western Kentucky. And then they're at the power five level the next year, which is probably what's going to happen with Austin Reed, who spent most of the season amongst the FBS leaders in passing counting stats. And he's now in the transfer portal and he's going to jump. He's probably going to get a power five gig. Um, Yeah. So I could, you know, if you're, if you're a power five school, sort of an upper, you know, not, not necessarily like Vanderbilt, but like Nebraska specifically, like, I don't see why Nebraska wouldn't be able to say, if we can sign the, you know, top 150 four-star high school kid, we're going to do that. If we're looking at, you know, low level four-star, um, high three-star guy, I'd rather take a transfer player and then we can sort of supplement our roster by building around players that other schools have already developed. And then we're going to take advantage of that because you're Nebraska and you can kind of do that. Um, And like that might not make, you know, some of those smaller level schools, some of those FCS schools happy that they're going to be developing these players and getting two or three years of, of building these players up. And then the player is going to go, uh, experience great success at another school. They might not like that. Maybe some do. I don't know. Maybe they would treat it as like a feather in the cap, but um, that might be what happens. You know, like Dorian Singer at Arizona. Had a really good year at Arizona. They won five games. He could go anywhere he wants. He could go to Alabama. They're going to be in the market for wide receivers. He could go to like the Pac-12 champion. They're in the market for wide receivers. He could go wherever he wants. Um, and so I kind of just think like, to bring this back to quarterbacks, like if I was a power five coach, if I was Nebraska's head coach, I wouldn't take a high school quarterback. I would just take transfer quarterbacks maybe every other year. I would take a Spencer Sanders and then I would go back to the transfer portal a year later and I would figure out, okay, who's the next Spencer Sanders on the market? Who's the next Austin Reed on the market? And I feel like I would have a pretty good amount of success doing that. 
Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what's going to be really interesting about the transfer portal is what it does to just what it does to how programs ultimately evaluate talent, select talent, at what level do they select it out of high school from, you know, we're also kind of like also glossing over like junior college recruiting as well. And like what that's going to look like. And there's all these like little like nuanced pieces that the transfer portal is changing, changing the game. And I know like there's the layer of NIL and what that's doing as well. There's just, the, the game is changing. Uh, there are people who are very, very adverse to that. For me, I'm kind of a, you know, the placement of like, I, it, it'll, it'll correct itself a little bit at some point, like things will start to balance themselves out or it'll become the quote unquote new normal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how schools manage this and maintain it going forward. But yeah, I agree. If you're in Nebraska right now, I don't see a time frame where you're picking a high school quarterback any longer. Um, because even, even with the like quarterbacks that Nebraska has on its roster that came to Nebraska out of high school, like, will they ever see playing time at Nebraska or will they end up essentially being developed to a degree by Nebraska and then transferring elsewhere? Probably be the latter for a couple of those guys. Um, you touched on this earlier. I wanted to ask you, so we'll transition now, biggest areas of need for Nebraska out of the portal? Like, give me two or three positions that you're going heavy in the paint to target with these, uh, going hard in the paint, to use a phrase my wife says, to target these uh, these portal positions. They have to go, they have to go hard trying to get wide receivers. This is a, once again, Nebraska is back looking for playmakers at the receiver spot. They have to, losing Trey Palmer now. He's not transferring, obviously. He is declared for the NFL draft. Um, but they 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 have lost to Colton Crawford. Um, they've lost uh, – they, like, if you look at Nebraska's list, they've lost, lost a number of wide receivers. And um, that's going to be an area where, especially if whether it's Casey Thompson or someone else, uh, Matt oh, rules off – yeah, Matt Rule's offense is going to require some playmakers. Um, as much as you know, like somebody's like run the ball, uh, they also probably need running backs, possibly. <laughs> but no, wide receiver is the the number one uh, spot where I'd say there's going to need to be uh, some attention. With that said, I would be remiss if I said you can't put a little bit. You need to put some attention on the offensive line. Um, Nebraska has lost Alex Khan, Brant Banks. Um, Jalen Weaver. Now there are some other places where the offensive line reasons to be a little bit different going into 2023. Nori Noelli will be back after his year suspension. Um, so in, as of now, he hasn't entered the portal or um, made it seem likely that he's leaving. So, you know, there's, there's still not only retention there, but you had to have a player who is going to be essentially returning we do now know whether this is going to trigger some people. Donovan Rayola is being retained by this by Matt Rule to be the offensive line coach. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, very split opinion on that. If people believe if he didn't get a fair shake in his first season with Nebraska to really truly coach, um, he is an NFL guy, so maybe that drives with Matt Rule and what he wants to do. We'll see, but I do think that they need to put some attention there, but they're also going to really need to put some attention on the defensive line. So, like, I would say if you're going to put your attention in any place, if you're in Nebraska, you're looking at wide receivers and you're looking at your two lines. Like, those are the areas that are, first and foremost, you need to be looking in the transfer portal for those those players. Because especially, like we are talking about with linemen, these are going to be 
developed players. They're going to have more size on them. They're going to just, they're not going to be walking out of high school. And that's what Nebraska needs more or less right now. Um, so yeah, those, those are my areas more, more than anything else. A bunch of really good wide receivers available. There and, are. Uh, Nebraska has like, Nebraska can put the case in front of transfer wide receivers. Hey, look at what we just did with Trey Palmer. Right. But there's also the element of, yeah, well, why was Trey Palmer at Nebraska? Well, that NIL. person ain't there anymore. That person ain't there anymore. Well, um, do you like how I said NIL? No, you're right. NIL. I mean, yes. And there's a whole layer to that of which we will be unpacking for some time and we don't need to get into it on this particular podcast. But yes, you know, Mickey Joseph was a reason that a lot of players came to Nebraska with that said, um, it'll be interesting to see um, who some of nearly every single person, with the exception of Donovan Riola, that Matt Rule has brought to his staff has a recruiting director of recruiting, coordinator, recruit, record, excuse me, recruiting coordinator, some kind of recruiting like piece to their title somewhere else that they were at. And so like recruiting is a big, big piece for them relationships as well you kind of that has to be the name of the game anymore in this this with the nature of the transfer portal you really can't not be a good recruiter across the board um so i'll be interested to see what some of these coaches what their relationships look like and who that they can pull i actually say if you're using trey palmer you look and you show people that Trey Palmer is still tweeting about how thankful he is for Nebraska and how much it means to him to have been at Nebraska. Yeah. I'm pulling those and being like, he liked being here and this is what he was able to do. Um, because I know a, a lot of former Huskers have talked about, you need to commit to the, the, the school, not the coach. And I think that's going to have to be their like primary selling point of like, he still really likes Nebraska. He tweets about Nebraska quite a bit. Um, or quite a bit in relation to how much a college student athlete tweets. Um, but th th you can use those as frame of references for people that like, yes, the coach he committed to is gone. And, you know, that may not be like the happiest thing for him, but he still clearly likes Nebraska, talks about Nebraska, thanks Nebraska and um, look at what they're able to do with him. Yeah. Do you think, Close on this. Do you think that the transfer portal would be as booming as it currently is if um, it wasn't sort of open market for NIL deals? Um, NIL definitely makes things more interesting because it it allows for a player so that's an advantage for nebraska is a player who might be somewhere else that's just like one of many might be looking at nebraska going i can get a deal like the coldest crawford did with a local air conditioning company that like there's a lot of that in nebraska i don't know how many times i see student athletes doing deals with scooters or a local suit shop or, you know, just name local muchachos in Lincoln, like doing the, like you have a lot of, you have the bigger businesses that are doing the deals, but then you also have the small businesses that are doing the deals. There's a lot of value with NIL in Nebraska. And I do think that that probably is intriguing to some players where they're like, yeah, you know, I'm not really getting much in my current location where I'm at today. So maybe I'll go move on and go do something else. It does frustrate people. I don't know how many times I saw the Decoldis Crawford fans being like, oh, good, he came to Nebraska, got his money, and left. And, yeah, there's that. Um, 
But I do think NIL has changed it where players are now like, I could reasonably go somewhere else. And if I'm still not going to start, if I'm still going to ride the bench, at least maybe I could make some money while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that has changed it because it's like, well, what, like, I may not go on to the NFL. I may not have a future beyond this, but like I can put some money in my pocket now and get myself in a better, you know, spot somewhere else and i do think nil has changed that and that is probably a reason that players go into the portal and i mean not i say i think but i think we have a pretty good idea that we know that players go into the portal because they know their opportunities are greater elsewhere and not just on the field there was a player who announced on monday he was going into the transfer portal and leaving his current school and then it was like three hours later he announced his commitment to another school so like i am gonna guess and again i haven't talked to this player but i'm gonna guess that he probably had a good idea of what his options were gonna be before he announced he was going into the portal yeah i'm gonna guess that he had a good idea of what was available to him before officially deciding he wanted to go into the portal um Mac Brown was asked after the ACC championship game about Drake May, who's standout freshman quarterback for North Carolina, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, if Because there were, there were rumors circulating that he would leave North Carolina. Hmm. He might be transferring away from North Carolina. And Mac Brown was asked about it, and he sort of went into a discussion about how he has talked with players on his team, other players on his team, and those players have told him, look, I have 15 offers to go to different places. I could go to all these other places. These people are contacting me, but I'm staying here, coach. I'm staying here. And Mac Brown, as he's retelling this, says that he asked one of those players, is anybody offering you money? And that player responded 100% yes. 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what the accusations were against USC over this past offseason, particularly with Pitt and Jordan Addison. Um there were players who like went into the portal before the portal officially opened and then had offers and knew where they were going before the portal officially opened. Um, there are like numerous instances all throughout the country where there have been rumors ahead of the window opening that player X is going to jump into the transfer portal because school Y is already talking to them and wants them to come. And in most instances, NIL inducements are being used as sort of the the in, like Mm -hmm. allegedly, allegedly they're being used as the in. Um, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, And so you're getting situations where like schools are saying, hey, you can make X number of dollars here. Do you have interest? That is not, like that's not what the intent of either NIL opening or the transfer portal, that wasn't the intent of either of those things. But because the NCAA has no spine whatsoever, that's what we're getting across the board right now. And there's very loose, um, I guess, enforcement of rules. So it kind of feels like we're in a position, and I would like to ask if you would agree with me or disagree with me. It kind of feels like we're in a position where we can have one, but not the other. If we want to have NIL, we cannot have such a loosely regulated transfer situation. If we want to have free, like freer player movement, we cannot have NIL as presently constructed. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think there needs to be regulation on both. Um, I think that the, you know, we, we've heard this from the get-go from the moment that NIL became a thing, that the federal government just, like, cannot seem to, like, be, it just does not feel like they have any interest in, like, actually regulating this. At some point, that there needs to be regulation. Um, because, yeah, you, what's going to end up happening is you're going to have you're going to have coaches who are not coaches. I shouldn't say coaches because it's not them, but you're going to have people from these collectives or people who are just like, Hey, I just want to let you know that if you come here, if you're not happy there, you could get this here. And yeah, to a degree that was like what recruiting and, you know, everything else was before NIL where there'd be these under the table deals where people are like, Hey, FYI, um, if you come here, we can help you out. It's like now NIL has just kind of put it all out in the open where it's like the, the under the table deals are now just like very present. Um, because yeah, you, you hear about the deals where it's like, Oh, Sean Mathis is weighing opportunities from multiple places. Um, and where, you know, did he know when he left? Like if that was, th these are the things where the, the lack of regulation across the board on everything and, like, the fact that no one really wants to lead on it. The NCAA is not particularly interested in leading. The federal government is not exactly particularly interested in leading. And they're just kind of leaving this to the states and then to um, the individual schools to sort of figure it out as they go. It, it's a mess, honestly. And this is coming from somebody who is a big proponent of both the transfer portal and NIL. But, like, you can't keep going on this path because then at that point – you don't have amateurism anymore and you could argue, well, it's not amateurism anymore because they can make money. I, I disagree to a level because I think that that's a bigger conversation, but I still do agree with the people who are like, it's changing like commitments to teams. Like how do you know a person's not getting checked out because they now know, Hey, in like a month I can enter the portal and I have an offer from whatever program and I'm going to be making a boatload of money doing so. There has to be some level of regulation, but I th this is the reason no one wants to figure it out is because having to put those put those laws in place and having those expectations. No one wants to be the bad person. No one wants to be the one that's like, well, this is what we're going to do. So everyone at this point is just kind of waiting for somebody else. Honestly, I've said this since the get go. There's going to be a day that a school is going to sue one of its own players. And that day will change things like there will be a day where a school, a prominent program will have to sue one of its own players. And those are the moments then regulations will come because people will be like, oh, we can't we can't keep working like we can't keep operating like this anymore. So um, I would say there needs to be regulation of some kind. I don't have the answers for it yet, but like there are people who are far smarter than me out there that should be figuring this out. It's just feels like no one wants to be the person. Everyone just kind of wants to keep kicking the can down the road for somebody else to figure out. We're waiting for the NCAA uh, EA sports lawsuit. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lawsuit. There's going to be lawsuits. And that's the stuff where I'm like, the second that lawsuits happen, that's when people start to go, Oh, crud we gotta figure this out we gotta put some we've got to put some things in place whether it's athletes suing schools athletes suing the ncaa the ncaa suing athletes suing schools there's going to be something or multiple somethings and then that will be the thing that kickstarts the i guess we better regulate this and it's unfortunate that we're going to have to get to that point that something's going to have to happen but that's the only thing that kind of makes me think that there will be eventually answers is somebody's hand being forced essentially there's a duck that just walked up. 
I told my wife when I got when we got here, I'm gonna get pecked by a, a rooster or one of these ducks. They are like, they got no compunctions about walking up and getting all up in your business. It's wild. Sorry, I got very distracted. Although this duck is trying to take me out. Scout wandered off. It's somebody from Oregon. Have you upset anyone at the University of Oregon lately? <laughs> We're just genuinely, generally in a bad mood right now, given the, given what happened the last couple of weeks. Yes. Okay, we can wrap it up there, Aaron. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It was nice to talk to you. Of course, I appreciate it. Now, go please enjoy your vacation. Jump in the pool. I am going to go jump in the pool. Except I can't jump into the pool because the pool's only like four feet. Oh yeah, be inches. careful. Like, I can't jump. wade into the pool. I'll, I'll wait in. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. It was great to talk to you. Um, as always, shout out to uh, to you guys for listening to this podcast every single week. I appreciate you. Shout to Cam for producing this every single week. And uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, with, with a much less scenic uh, view in the background. You can just go sit like on with the Michigan, Michigan, Lake Michigan behind you. And that's scenic. You could set up like a, Ooh, you could get a light up palm tree and set it up behind you. Like a little, you know, I was joking with Alex yesterday when we were in the car driving um, back from dinner. I was like, it's weird. Like we have a beach, like we could drive to a beach if we wanted to, because it's not, you know, the ocean, but we could just, just North of Chicago if we wanted to. And Alex was like, yeah, my mom saw someone get shot there one time. And I was like, all right, well, we're not going to that beach then. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll send it to you sometime. If anyone follows, there's a woman who does Spooky Lake Month in October on uh, TikTok. And she does a lot on Lake Michigan. So I'll have to send you some. Great. Totally the same. I'll put, huh. one, of those, uh, I'll put one of those fake backgrounds on that goes behind me. and sort of like messes with the, the outline of your, your body. Yeah, I'll you can't move because if you do, then it starts to like... Distorts everything. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll put one of those on next week. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> A Huda Media Production.